Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you ready? It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am... Your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday, as I am every single Sunday right here, answering your questions and talking about things that truly matter in life and the afterlife. The people of God should not be concerned with outward appearance, but with inward convictions. Tonight is the annual Academy Awards ceremony, otherwise known as the Oscars. And you know how it will unfold. You've seen it many times yourself, I'm sure. It'll unfold like it does every single year. Not only will the event itself be a a great spectacle viewed by tens of millions of people around the globe on television, but the pre-event, the red carpet, the arrivals, and all those interviews will be highlighted not only tonight... But they'll be revisited on television and in print, uh, fashion magazines, television, movie, entertainment magazines for weeks and weeks to come. The questions, uh, all of the conversation on the red carpet, it'll go back and forth between simple and light, jovial banter to inquiries about the filmmakers' latest projects, what they're working on, uh, what's new, family, all of those things. But the topic that will reign supreme as it tends to every single award season will be simply attire. Over and over, the question will be asked, who are you wearing? And the actors and the actresses will, as always, be willing and ready and eager to give an answer. Now, a lot of that, I realize, ties into, it, you know, kind of uh, quid pro quo, a little something for something. Maybe they're being loaned the dress or sometimes the dress is designed for them or they're being loaned the diamonds, whatever it might be. And it's kind of, it's become practice and commonplace in Hollywood to wear this stuff and then talk about it and say, oh, this is so-and-so, or so-and-so designer made this. And I get that aspect of things. But it seems strange when you think about it, that in a profession like, like acting, where at its best, I mean, really the skilled best those those actors and actresses that the entirety of their job of their profession is to pull apart the human condition to dive in when they're good to dark recesses in humanity to really pull apart into the inner working of human emotions that a good actor and actress can provoke very complex questions 
many of them dealing with morals and ethics. It's a very – I know that it becomes just simply entertainment for many. But the art itself is quite profound and very deep when done right. So isn't it interesting that this deep profession that really pokes at human emotions and understanding the complexity of humans and their emotions, that it gets whittled down so at a moment where you're being honored or going to be honored, for the intensity of your work, someone on a red carpet asks, who are you wearing? I mean, it's almost it's almost like somebody only noticing the costume during your performance. Costumes are wonderful. They play a huge part in theatrics, of course. But imagine if somebody – if you worked very hard as an actor to do something and all someone ever – you know, recognized was, oh, yeah, I saw that movie. That costume was neat. Slightly different because of the art that goes into those costumes. But here you are working, striving to be noticed, honing your craft. And right there on the red carpet, it's simply, who are you wearing? Not even anything that had much to do with you to begin with. Maybe you picked out the color, right? Maybe the actor or actress is simply saying, oh, that fits me nice, but probably it's dozens of people that are cho choosing their wardrobe, and that's what they're asked about. Well, I realize that the church often maligns Hollywood and filmmakers. That's not my goal. That's not my goal today at all. Because truly when filmmaking is done right, it is a, a powerful and creative tool that can be used to teach, to entertain, uh, even to inspire. But w what I do want to point out is how one can get lost in one's own appearance, this outer shell, and wrongfully exchange aesthetics for actual character, really allowing all that you are inside to be overshadowed by something you draped over yourself. The fact that millions of people around the world will fixate on what an actor or actress will be wearing for the Academy Awards tonight seems really to say, say more about the people watching than it does actually about Hollywood who ends up getting picked on for it all the time. If it was because the world simply appreciated uh, the talent, craftsmanship, and artistry involved with, in fashion design, eh, that's one thing. But I can assure you that's not the case. The world is simply wrapped up more in appearance than real substance. God knows it is a tendency of mankind to get caught up in outwardly adornments, and Scripture mentions it often. Over and over you can read about parts in Scripture where God is pointing out not to be caught up just in physical appearance. 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4, 
says your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self. The unfeigning beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. What is valuable to God? That gentle and quiet spirit. That inner self. That unfading beauty. You ever have uh, an article of clothing? Maybe it was vibrant and powerful at one point, And you had it out in the sun. Maybe you left it in the car like a jacket. And you thought, oh, well, I'll use that during the winter. And you place it over uh, the car seat. And it sits there for a while. And then when you finally bring it in, you look at it and you see, wow, it's faded in this area. The sun has just bleached it. And that can't happen with who you are on the inside. That, that, that can happen with clothing, certainly, but not truly who you are on the inside, not the beauty of that gentle and quiet spirit, which God sees as worth much. In the Old Testament, Samuel is reminded by God not to be taken in by the appearance of someone just because what they look like. God looks at what is on the inside, not what is on the outside. I know that seems so basic and rudimentary, but I I still see it over and over again. And so people will mock those in Hollywood saying that they're the superficial ones, and maybe so, some of them may be. But really, do you think that they would do an entire pre-show devoted to what are you wearing or who are you wearing if it wasn't for you being interested, if you weren't the one that was propelling that and making that demand so that they would, in fact, create it? So in the Old Testament, Samuel is reminded by God, 1 Samuel sixteen seven, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord, the Lord looks at the heart. It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday, as I am every single Sunday, same time, same place, right here, answering your questions and talking about the things that truly matter in life and the afterlife. I'd love to hear from you. If uh, you have a theology question dealing with God, religion, spirituality, worldviews, the Bible, or if there's something going on in your life, we call them life situations. I'd love to hear from you as well. Anywhere in the U.S. of A, dial 877-HOLY-HOST. Numerically, that's 877-465-9467. Also, I'd love for you to check out our website, thejesuschristshow.com, thejesuschristshow.com. So we'll take your calls in just a little bit. Hang tight, but I'd love to hear from you. 877-HOLY-HOST, 877-HOLY-HOST. Tonight is the Oscars. And a lot of excitement comes with this, of course. Uh, people love to be entertained and enjoy those that entertain them. This is not about bashing Hollywood. I know the church loves doing that. It's not that uh, Hollywood is filled with saints. 
But there is a lot of talent that goes into entertaining properly. But how strange is it that when there are those that, that work very hard at their craft, like many actors and actresses do, that the moment they get on a red carpet and they're asked questions, it's about who are you wearing? And what does that really mean? Well, it means that the world is fixated upon the things that are on the outside. And so television and and for weeks and weeks after the Oscars, of course, you, every magazine will have pictures of who was wearing what and there will be all kinds of dissertations on who was best dressed and who wasn't and all kinds of things like that. Because the world is focused, including you, upon that which is on the outside. God knows that this is part of humanness to get caught up in the outwardly adornments. And so in Scripture, God says over and over not to get wrapped up in that. And this isn't to say that you shouldn't keep yourself in shape or take care of yourself. Physical exercise and being in shape is a wonderful thing. But God wants your spiritual being to be fit as well. 1 Timothy 4, 8, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So this is one of those things that if you're only caught up in the physical, that is only going to serve you here and now. Being spiritually fit serves you both here and later. And really, this obsession with the outer appearance plays a part in so many places, even in the church. You'd think that in the church you could get away with it, get away from it, rather, and it's not the case. A lot of times, people in the church are dressing only to impress, only to make it known what what status they are in in the world somehow. And I don't want you to get caught up in that. I don't want you to get lost in those physical appearance. This is not about looking hideous or not taking care of yourself or any of those things. It's simply about understanding what is most valuable and what should be put first and foremost in your life. It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday as I am with you every single Sunday, right here, same time, same place, answering your questions and talking about the things that truly matter in life and the afterlife. I encourage you to be bold and brave and go to the phone with your theology question or life situation question anywhere in the U.S. of A. Dial 877-HOLY-HOST, numerically, that's 877-465-9467. Uh, You can also find out more about our Archive Club. If you wish to hear more of the show during the week, you can do that at thejesuschristshow.com, thejesuschristshow.com. Jane, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Hi, Jesus. Hi, Jane. How can I help you, my dear? I had a frog in my throat. That's okay. Get him out. Coughed him up. Excellent. It could it could be worse. It could be a series of frogs or locusts or <laughs> frogs. Not so bad. Talking about hoss. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, how can I help you, my dear? Um, I have a a lit cross that hangs on a gutter on the back side of my house. It was kind of a afterthought with our 
lit up Christmas decorations, and when we took the Christmas things down, we decided to leave the cross up, and I turn it on every night for about an hour, and um, a neighbor told my husband yesterday, two doors away, that he could see it in the reflection of the window of the house across the street, and he found it extremely offensive. Offensive? Yes. Interesting choice of words. To have a cross shining in the neighbor's window across the street, and I walked over last night to see if that was true, and he had to really crane his neck to be able to see it, but that's beside the point. At Christmas, he had a great big peace symbol lit up in his window, and I didn't go tell him that offended me, but that's not the point. I My first reaction was not a good one, and I thought I'd go up and give him a piece of my mind, but I don't have a lot to spare because I'm getting older, so <laughs> I, I decided not to do that. You may not get it back. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. And I, I decided, well, I looked at some scripture and realized that I needed to take the cross down if I love because I'm a follower of yours, I, mm-hmm. the loving thing to do would be to take the cross down. My question for you is, should I write him a note and tell him in a very nice way why I'm taking it down? I'm not taking it down because I'm afraid of him. or I'm, The only reason I'm taking it down is because I don't want to offend him. I'm more concerned about loving him, and the loving thing and the peaceful thing to do in the neighborhood would be to take it down. So should I let him know or should I just take it down? Well, there's a couple of things going on here. And first, uh, is this someone that you have problems with uh, or no. you've never encountered I other problems? I hardly know him. He came to our home. We had a Christmas tea and he came and everything was very pleasant. Has um, he voiced that he has a, a differing belief than you? Well, I don't know. We didn't talk about our beliefs. Hmm. I assume he probably does with the peace symbol in his window when everybody else had Christmas decorations. But... Nothing, you know, we didn't bring it up. We didn't tell. We were all very pleasant. There wasn't a problem. Hmm. So during uh, during the Christmas time holiday, uh, he put up just the the crow's foot, the little uh, chicken foot uh, yeah. peace symbol. Great big eight foot one in his window. But that was his business. He has the freedom to do that. Of course. I, we have a, we put up a big lit nativity scene in our front yard with the cross in the background. I see. Um. So so this is in the front yard or the backyard that you have this? Uh, cross is yeah. hanging on a gutter on the back side of the house, but you can see it from the front of the house, and that's why it's there. And I thought, okay, this is private property. Not a lot of people going to see it, but if everybody that believed put a cross up. Well, I understand where you're coming from, and I, and I do, I do uh, completely uh, hear that, that it's frustrating when it's your own property and the like. But if the purpose is to uh, bring peace and understanding to one another uh, via this symbol, that really, I mean, is is just a symbol. Right. There, there was, you know, there are two guys died next to me on crosses as well. Right. Uh, it's more about the resurrection that brings uh, that piece of hope. And in this particular case, if it's offensive um, uh, to somebody like that, and it's it doesn't change your house. It's not you're not superstitious. It means nothing to right. you as far as superstition. And um, then I think that it is a beautiful sentiment for you to to take the higher road and to love in quote your enemy or your neighbor through through this. And there's nothing wrong with you writing a note and saying it has come to my attention uh, that that the the cross bothers you. Um, it. It brings me great peace and joy to see it lit up for that hour each night 
Um, but I would never want my peace or joy to infringe on your own. And so I'm taking it down. Um, uh, I hope that this is, you know, not to be nasty or anything. Like that. Right. Um, uh, you know, uh, my, my goal is to, for us all to, to live in this neighborhood, um, uh, being friendly and, and helping one another. And, uh, you know, please always let us know. And if it's something we can do, we will do. You know, and just have that kind of attitude, not neener, 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 or, no. um, or, or, yeah, I took this down because of you, you big jerk, and, <laughs> no, um, or anything that. like that, because that doesn't really, it's a hard, it's that, then it becomes a pride issue. Right. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and do it that way, I think, is the more loving and, and peaceful way to bring it about. And, and not, hey, you put up a peace symbol and I put up no. this or what. And don't look for things that he's doing that you can shoot back at or anything like that. Just leave it at that and say, well, I was happy to have it for the time that I did. Um, and it infringed on other people. And, and I will respect that, uh, knowing that you live in a community that communes with one another. And uh, and leave it at that. But I think you have the, the healthy and the proper attitude, Jane. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. I know it's frustrating. And I know that there's going to be some of you that may disagree with that. Um, and say, no, you're stand strong and hold it up. But here's the thing. It's, um, it's this attitude where, where you're just trying to protect that symbol. And really what you want to protect is what the symbol stands for, right? Which is Christianity, which is the following of Christ, which is the tenets of Scripture and the, the importance and the beauty and the justice of Scripture and your freedom to express that. In the United States. That's what you're trying to protect. And if that's what you're trying to protect, then it's not about the symbol. It's never about the symbol. I know that that uh, in, in that context, you're, any more than your marriage is about the wedding ring, it, that those things are symbols, uh, outward symbols so the world knows. But the world should know that you're a Christian in many different ways that have nothing to do with jewelry or um, affectations, you know, accoutrement or things around the house your faith should be worn on the very expression of who you are and what you do in life the way you act this very act of taking down that cross in this context the very act of uh, uh of showing that restraint and loving a neighbor and saying goodness gracious that was never my intent to offend um, so take, uh, please take this action of me removing the cross from my lighted cross um, as a sign of peace and understanding. That becomes a very powerful note because I guarantee if somebody went to someone with that attitude and says, take your peace symbol down off of your window, they'd go, no, forget you. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And you really sh- it really shows the nature of a person, not what they say or how they act, but how they react to a situation that really shows. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, the character of the individual, and I think Jane obviously has 
on an immense amount of character and faith. Her faith isn't wrapped up into a piece of plastic or a piece of metal or a piece of wood. Her faith is wrapped up in her heart. And no one can ask you to take that down. Throughout uh, uh, the existence of the United States, you've seen that this goes back and forth. Jane even cited one herself, that there's this kind of war on the symbols of Christianity. Now, you can, you know, you can look at things like uh, other pagan belief systems, and it's A-OK, the, the jack-o'-lantern, the black cat, the witch, these types of things, uh, even if they're uh, fanciful uh, recreations or representations of them, that they can, you can put those up in a, in a school and there's no problem. But you have to call a Christmas tree a holiday tree, or, or you can't put any of these symbols up because they represent Christianity. And yes, there's a double standard. Get used to it. There are also others that that fight for in God we trust on money and uh, one nation under God in the Pledge of Allegiance when that wasn't even originally in the Pledge of Allegiance. And you're not going to tell me that the country was less God-focused when it wasn't in the Pledge of Allegiance. So be careful what you fight for. It's not that those things aren't worth fighting for at times, and there are opportunities because it really starts to infringe on your freedoms as well. As, as a standpoint of uh, being an American, that you should have that ground. But more importantly than any of the symbols or any of those statements, you know what would mean more to me than it saying, God, we trust on your money? What would mean more to me is if you trusted God. Truly. Honestly. And in the depths of your heart. That has more value and means more to me than just saying it or throwing it on a dollar bill. So um, I think when you look at the actions and your actions speaking loudly and showing the character of who you are, I think that's more powerful. And now this guy has to go to bed each night not feeling like he had a victory in any way, shape, or form because it's not. What does that even mean? If you have it on for an hour or two, it's no big deal. But why fight that and have him further dig his heels into the ground against Christianity and those that practice Christianity? And and another reason uh, to fuel the fires of his frustration, anger, or whatever it might be um, that make him feel that way. Because to be offended by a cross is a bizarre thing. You can drive up and down streets all over the place and see that people have symbols of their Jewish faith on their doorposts. I, for one, find that beautiful. I smile every time I see one at the uh, that symbol of an outward faith that is deep within an individual. And if somebody doesn't uh, feel the same way, then so be it. But people searching and the different beliefs out there and all of that is a thing of beauty. The, The purpose, the hope is that they obtain truth. And it's not just for culture. It's not just out of habit or those things. Um, But it's truly truth-seeking. And some people that will be a turn uh, off to, and there's others that will appreciate it and understand it for what it is. But my concern foremost, always, above everything, is going to be what's in your heart, not what's hanging on a wall. It is The Jesus Christ Show. I am your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday as I'm with you every single Sunday. Right here answering your questions and talking about the things that matter in life and the things that matter in the afterlife. 
I'd love to hear from you if you have a theology question or a life situation question. Dial 877-HOLY-HOST, numerically, that's 877-465-9467. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Jesus Show, Jesus Show. Sasha, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. How, how are you doing this morning? I'm well. How can I help you? Okay, you said to, to be brave and to be bold. Uh, I okay. got two quick things. Okay. Uh, the word Satan, mm-hmm. which originally, uh, it goes before the Old Testament, uh, and obviously the New Testament. It means adversary. Uh huh. Right, right. So, uh, so when the Old Testament came along, uh, it, the word... Uh, became this uh, d- demonic-looking uh, b- b- being with a tail and a horn and uh, scared the, you know, what out of people. But uh, there was, uh, just like the word heaven, it only means sky. It does not mean some uh, garden with flowers. You know what I'm saying? This, this, well, it's the, it's, the, it's the usage or the context that's important. Yes, absolutely. There's many names for Lucifer, which is the name. Uh, well, Lucifer is then, also a morning star. Morning star, yes, and the angel of light. But they're, right. but the, they're, they're terms. They're more like it's not a name. Satan's not his name. It, people it's, take it literally. I mean, you, you but there's many. There's there's dozens and dozens of names for the devil in Scripture. The devil being one of them. The devil just it means evil with a D in the front. But you know, no, 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 no. That's not true. The devil has a specific meaning, and all of these things do. All of there's tons of them that go that deal with this. Adversary is one of them, and the word adversary or uh, hasatan in the Hebrew is where you get the accuser from. You also have it in Persian, right. Shetan, and, and, uh, and then you have it in uh, Arabic as well, uh, Ashetan. So it, there's, in, it, it, there's variants of it, but they all are describing the attributes of the enemy. Um, the enemy is another name, or uh, the, the Prince of Darkness. All these are terms for, for Satan that were used to... Uh, help understand something that is more complex than just one name. Um, just as I have many names, Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, uh, I'm referred to as the Great uh, Counselor. I am referred to as the Great Physician. There are many names that are used throughout uh, uh, Scripture. Same with the Holy Spirit as the Great Comforter. And all these things are used to point to an understanding of the individual in this particular case. When it comes to heaven, it's the context. Uh, If you recall, when you're going through Scripture, it refers to certain levels of heaven. And people get confused that that's speaking of of heaven, like there's levels inside heaven, God's house. No, you're absolutely right. It's the context. The levels of heaven is speaking about the different levels of the sky. First level being that which you can see with the naked eye during the day. Second level being the space, that which you see at night and beyond. The third level of heaven is referring to God's house, God's domain. People have come to the point where they refer to uh, God's domain as heaven and the other as sky and the other as space. 
But yes, in Scripture, uh, the term for the heavens is um, all across the board, same word, with the exception of how it's qualified. How it's qualified defines uh, what it is, why it is, and the purpose, therefore. So I pray that helps. It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday as I am every single Sunday. Right here, answering your questions, talking about the things that truly matter in life. I encourage you to be a part of the program. It's very simple. You go to the phone with your theology question or life situation. Anywhere in the U.S., dial 877-HOLY-HOST. 877-HOLY-HOST. I also want to thank you for those of you that are are, are new to the show or uh, you've heard about it from someone, that you continue to perpetuate that, that you tell others about the program when appropriate and let them know that it exists and where it exists and and how they can uh, listen and be a part of it Uh, because that's how we grow and uh, we continue to do so every single week and I appreciate that very much and the part you play in it. Joe, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Jesus, uh, you're my spiritual champion. Uh, I claim your lordship. I want to tell you that my pastor is delivering a sermon today entitled uh, Repenting for Forgiveness. He asked me specifically uh, if I had any input to his sermon, and mm-hmm. I said this, and, and need your confirmation. Mm-hmm. said that, uh, wait a minute, uh, our past, present, and future sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. It's scriptural. The only reason why you need to go to Jesus, to yourself, is that you're ashamed, and you've you've hurt. You're hurt as a result of me nailing my, uh, putting the nail in your hand. Tell me what you think about my theology. Is it, 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 is it Jesus-based? Well, are you saying that, that uh, it, if you're saying this, it's correct. If you're saying that, that the sins are forgiven in heaven, but there's consequences still, the, the stuff you've done to your body, if you took drugs or if you did things, those, there's still ramifications. You continue to go for the purification. There's three things kind of going on. You have uh, salvation, which is what you define by the sins being forgiven. Uh, there's purification and there's sanctification. There's uh, all these aspects to it that are important to the process. If you remember in Scripture, it says, I am the author and the finisher of your faith. So uh, I'm active in it, that I'm part- participating in your faith and the process of your faith every day. And in this case, I think if that's what you're saying, you're absolutely right. There's there's the sins that are forgiven, but there's still the ramifications on earth of those sins that need to be dealt with. And there's sanctification, the process of keeping you from sin uh, and more sin, regardless of it being forgiven, because it's not just a... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, get out of jail, free card, uh, everyone go and sin uh, type process. It's you actively not only 
knowing that your sins are forgiven, but not wanting to participate them in them anymore. And wow, your wisdom is <laughs> your wisdom revealed is a blessing. I want to say though that I know about earthly consequences, but as we as I stand before you, uh, even though I've sinned, I'm all, uh, how many times have people sinned since uh, you were on the cross, Jesus? Well, of course, all, all the all, yeah, all all of the sins are are forgiven. It, it says in Scripture, Lord, uh, past sins, future sins, all sins. Yeah. Uh, that's what I believe. I can't wait to hear my pastor's sermon today, especially with your wisdom. Uh, I thank you so much that uh, that you're on the air. Well, you're welcome, Joan. Thanks for calling, and it sounds like it's going to be a good one. The 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 process of forgiving sin, uh, and uh, is a lot of times people it's hard to grasp because like forgiveness, even when you forgive uh, someone on earth, usually there's some you know sort of you know, catch to it. So to think of a God that loves you so much that when you uh, repent from these things, and the process of repentance is something that continues as well, that when you're forgiven, that it is for all time. you got to understand, when I was on the cross, I was dying for the sins that, that you didn't even do yet, that you were going to do and that you will do. So it's for all future sins as well. But the process on earth is not only the forgiveness, that's for heaven. A lot of people get the two tied together and say, well, gosh, you know, I'm experiencing these things. It's like uh, death when it talks about uh, in Genesis where it says, and if you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. It wasn't talking about a physical death. Obviously, they didn't die. It was talking about a spiritual death. Well, likewise, your sins are forgiven in heaven with God, and there will not be the the righteous repercussions of that, which is, of course, uh, spiritual death or eternal damnation. There won't be those consequences, but there still are consequences on earth that you have to participate in. And I think that was very insightful, Joe, for you to, for you to understand the difference and to, um, to process that. Sybil, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Hello, Jesus. Hi, Sybil. You know, Jesus, I've been struggling Oh, you welcome to the big community of strugglers. There's a lot of people in the same boat right now. So yes. what what are your struggles? Sybil? My struggle is um well, I well, I'm my, my mother's legal guardian mm-hmm. and I have to have, you know, make a lot of major de- decisions for her, you know, in case, you know, when she expires. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can call I, it graduating when she graduates, right? Pardon me? When she graduates? Yeah, when she graduates. Yeah, there you go. Pardon me, Jesus. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, when she graduates, okay. And and my, my struggle is the whole cremation bit. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I don't have, you know, funerals are very expensive. I know. You know, and then the whole cre- cremation. I'm just torn because, you know, I've been raised in a Christ- Christian church. Mm-hmm. You know, and and then Scripture said, I, I, "Please forgive me, Jesus, because mm-hmm. I'm a baby Christian." That's okay. You know, I don't really know Scripture that well, but um, I was I was told, and I read somewhere in the Holy Bible that when you come back, um, that that you know that spirits will go into there will be a resurrection, a resurrection, mm-hmm. yeah, and and then. You know, the bodies would come up, correct? Jesus. Yeah. Well, but but how would that be in in 
in the case if I cremate, create, cremate my mother. Okay, well, let's uh-huh. look at this. There's uh, first, um, bless your heart, and and the fact that this is gonna this is gonna fall on you, and it's it's never gonna be fun for somebody to uh, bury or cremate or deal with the the loss on the earth of family members. Um, keep in mind that even in a in a uh, humble economy or limited finances, that anything you do with the purity of heart, uh, honoring the the life of your mother on earth and glorifying God is going to be fine. Don't let funeral homes, don't let anybody talk you into or make you feel guilty for the simplicity of, uh, uh, you know, uh, a wake or a funeral or anything you might be doing as a memorial. So um, first, having said that... Uh, You've heard in Scripture the term ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Yeah. Um, the truth of the matter is the body is going to decompose. So regardless, it's going to become ash and dust eventually, regardless. So people get caught up in the technicality as if God cannot uh, reconstruct the human form when God created the human form to begin with. So there, it's not like God's going to uh, make a decision, not getting into the theology of, of everything, but God's going to make a decision to raise people and go, oh boy, I can't, I can't raise this one because they were cremated. That's, that's not going to happen. Now, our Jewish brothers and sisters have a different bent on this, but as a Christian, um, you can feel uh, comfort knowing that cremation is not going to change the, that your mother's experience uh, with God the Father, with me, with with the Holy Spirit, with any of those things. So to be uh, comforted by the fact that absolutely you can cremate your mother if that is her wishes, your wishes, the family's wishes, and uh, make that decision in peace knowing that God is not going to be foiled, God is not going to be tripped up by the process of cremation because ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and out of the dust and the dirt of the ground, Adam was created. So there's no worry there. Don't get lost. And I really appreciate that uh, as a baby Christian that that you're listening to the program, and I uh, hope you continue to do so. Thanks for calling, Simo. It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday, as I am every single Sunday right here, answering your questions and talking about the things that truly matter in life and the afterlife. I encourage you to go to the phone today with your theology question or life situation. Anywhere in the U.S., dial 877-HOLY-HOST, 877-HOLY-HOST. Chris, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Hi, Jesus. How Hi. are you? Um, I'm well, thanks. I um, sort of have a weird, somewhat esoteric question. Okay. Um, I'll give you a weird, esoteric answer. Okay, great. Um <laughs> Well, like, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I haven't totally bought into the whole um, idea of or the whole theory of evolution. I think a lot of it's true. I think some of the finer points are we're missing something there. Okay. But, but I mean, we have um, um, a, a record, an archaeological record um, of other hominids, other you know, before Homo sapiens um, existed, and. And I guess, well, actually, I guess whether we whether we as Homo sapiens are related to those other species or not, I guess it really doesn't matter. But I'm wondering why it was that I mean, humans in our present form, we existed for we've we've been around for a while, 
And I, I can't figure out why it is that God chose to send his uh, earthly uh, emissary or his earthly liaison in the, in, your, in the form of you mm-hmm. when, when he did. Like, humans have been around before that. So sure. why, why was it that, that he sent you when he did? Okay, it, the, the, the simple, simple answer is because it was the perfect timing for God. So that that answers it, but that's not going to satisfy you. So let's uh, open it up a little bit. Uh, There was a process of necessity. If you go through Scripture and you read through what Christians refer to as the Old Testament, um, you find that there is uh, a lot that's going on and a lot of times that God said, okay, do this, and humanity did not do that. That process of falling down, standing up and falling down is important. Uh, to get to a point where uh, the reception of the Messiah, uh, or uh, uh, the Jews referred to me as the Mashiach, if that, if to get to that point where that was seen as necessary and beneficial, and not just political, uh, the division between uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters and those that followed me and those that did not really dealt with how they perceived the Messiah to be. Is this someone who's going to be a political leader um, or lead us into battle or these types of things, or is this someone that's going to bring salvation in the uh, form of heaven? So there was a lot to to understand first. Um, it's you know like saying, well, why does a child walk at you know this age or talk at this age rather than when they're out of the womb? There's a process of understanding first for humanity to know what they've done and where they're at in life, to even think that they might need salvation. And secondly, um, so that's why it came late uh, by some people's uh, definition, calculating how long life or humans had been on earth. And then some people will reverse the question and say, how come you came so early now that there's television and satellite and all of these things? Why not come in a technological age where other people can see you and know and there wouldn't the faith wouldn't be involved? All these things in both directions, both the time where you had to allow people to fall and understand the brokenness and the lack of a bridge between them and God was important. And also the placement uh, in history to deal with faith. And to not be caught up, not be so easily consumed was important as well. So in uh, for both those purposes, you'll find that it lands perfectly in a place that uh, it was at a time where the, the need was known, perceived, and, uh, you know, executed, uh, and also not too uh, late to where it was, there's no faith involved and everybody can just turn on the TV and say, well, this is... God. It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday as I am with you every single Sunday right here, answering your questions and talking about the things that truly matter in life and, of course, the afterlife. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I encourage you to be bold and brave and go to the phone with your theology question or life situation. Dial 877-HOLY-HOST. Numerically, that's 877-465-9467. Uh, 
Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Jesus Show. Jesus Show. Curtis, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Yes, um, I have a I have a friend that we discuss uh, religious things quite often. Mm-hmm. And we have a disagreement on to what extent God created things. Okay, uh, we both believe that God created like the sun and the earth and the stars and the planets and things physical. But I disagree with him. He says that uh, God created logic and mathematics, and I disagree. Okay. If God created logic and mathematics, that implies that logic and mathematics could have been different than they are. For example, one plus one could have equaled something different than two, and the Pythagorean theorem could have either not existed or been different than it is. And then I turned it around and said, I believe that logic is what allows God to exist. If God wasn't a logical possibility, then God couldn't exist. And he said, no, God is what created logic. And I just wanted you to, to I don't know, who's right? Okay. <laughs> I get to be the tiebreaker today? Is that what it is? Well, if, if you're Jesus. Well, I, I hate to break it to you, but you're kind of both wrong. So let's oh. look let's look at a couple of things. Okay. Uh, if something is created and if logic – your assumption is because logic is the way it is that it could not be something else. If it Now, if it was something created, then, of course, it could be something else. That's why there's theoretical physics and all kinds of things. And, yes, math does not change, but math is different than reality sometimes, and I'll explain. Uh, mathematically, the width of a page uh, or the thickness of a page, more specifically, mathematically can be cut in half. Yes. Infinitely. Yeah, mathematically, because, yes, because as a number, you can always split it. Yeah, but you can't have an infinite amount—a book with an infinite amount of pages in it. Correct. Okay, so there's a difference between math and uh, physicality and, and real, tangible things. So, it, without getting into some big uh, conceptual concept or, or conversation, rather about. Uh, math and those types of things, because there are theoretical concepts as well, quantum mechanics, all kinds of things that some would say go against some laws and so on. So let's push that aside and let's look at the theological aspect of it and think of it this way. Your reflection in the mirror exists because you exist. Yes. It cannot exist without you. Yes. It's your reflection. Mm-hmm. So it, you didn't create the reflection. It exists because you exist. Yes. Likewise, God did not create logic. Logic is a reflection of God, period. So in that sense, you're right. Logic would not change. It is a constant, but it's not created. It's merely the reflection of the way God thinks and or acts and or rules. It is the very... Uh, part of the very nature of the existence of God. It's not separate from God, and it's not created. It just is because it is part of God. So in that sense, it won't change. You're correct. In that sense, though, it's also not created. It, it's not It's not part of the creation process. So between the two of you, I think you have a good picture of what it is, um, but I don't think either model is specifically and totally covering all cases. So really, first and foremost, logic is not created by God. It exists within God. 
It's a reflection of the way God thinks. That which is, is, and that which is not, is not. So that is the logic, is that it breaks down and it has to make sense because things should correspond with reality. That doesn't mean that God changes logic when there's a miracle. Even uh, Also, a miracle doesn't mean that God, you know, um, reverses natural law either. They, I agree with that. They play a part. It's funny how people think miracles, oh, can you, the, Jesus healed this man. Well, let me tell you something. When I healed someone, think about the process. If you were to harm yourself or cut yourself today, it would heal, correct? Yes. Yes. In time. So really, the miraculous part was speeding up the process. But healing takes place every day, all the time. And so people get lost in in the different parts of it. So speeding up the process really becomes the miracle. But healing takes place all the time. So it's not so it's um, doing something that doesn't exist. It just exists in a way that is not of the norm. And likewise, uh, when it comes to logic, God, people think that God is, you know, uh, you throw logic out the window when you believe in God. And you can't because God is logic by definition. It is the reflection. Okay. So I think that's where it lands, and that's the best way to explain it is that it's, it, it cannot exist without God, but it's not created the same way as you said, uh, you know, the moon and the stars and the sun and all of those things. It's not. It doesn't come into be because that would say that it that it was illogical prior. It's not. It's merely a f- reflection of who God is, and uh, that is what logic is. And math would fall into the same category. But keep in mind, math is an observation of quantities and things like that. And observation, it doesn't matter if you called it the property of one one, or you could call it the property of bleh. It doesn't matter. What matters is that there is value or uh, these types of things that could be multiplied, that could be divided, that can be what what have you. So uh, it doesn't matter what you called it. It existed just like time regardless of whether it was pointed out or not. So in that sense, those types of things uh, exist, whereas time itself is truly created and outside of God in the way that you know it, in the clicking of the clock and those types of things. But existence of God was outside of time and is outside of time currently. So, so, so logic could, okay, yeah, I, I kind of agree. I, I just mostly agree with what you said. Okay. <laughs> well, I tell you what, you've got, you, you've got uh, plenty of time if you want to throw out an, uh, another view. What is, what is your concern with what I just said? Um, well, I, I, I think I totally agree with what you said, except um, you said that logic is somehow dependent on the way God thinks. I just think that no, logic, no, 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 no. It's it, it not in that not in the same way. Don't anthropomorphize God. Okay. It is not the way God thinks. That implies that there is like the way you think about something that it's based on an opinion. It's not God's opinion. It's the essence of who God is, any more than you have the reflection in the mirror of you is your opinion of yourself. It's not. It is... Okay, let me throw this question out then. Mm-hmm. And then, okay. In the Bible, it said, Jesus said, God can do anything. And I just don't think that God could change the laws of math. No, 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 no. God can't do anything. That's a misquotation. It's taken out of context. Okay. Because God cannot lie. God cannot make a one-ended stick. 
God can't make a circle. I basically oh. agree with you. Yeah, so in that sense, but the the statement that you made is a beautiful misquote that I hear all the time. Um, there's certainly things God can't do. Okay. But what the, the, the problem people see with that, and I could hear it when you said it, is that that's probably something people have thrown at you as well. Yeah. It's like, so God can do anything? Can he do this? Can he make a one-ended stick? Can he? No, God can't do anything because there are things against the very moral essence of who God is that can't, can't, God can't cease to exist either. God could not change the laws of mathematics or logic, and I've never believed that he could. Well, but, no, because it, the, the, based on what I had said, it would, it would be to un, undo who God is. So the very act of it would uh, – it's self-stultifying. It, the very act of it, it's like stating the, the phrase, I can't utter one word of English, not one word. The very act of that uh, abolishes what you just said. God can't unbe God. So there are things God can't do. God can't unbe God. And to unbe God is the only thing that removes that reflection, that reflection being mathematics and logic. God is mathematic, mathematics and logic. That is I agree, emanating. I agree with you. Okay. you know, I agree with you. I, I totally agree. I mean, I'm just amazed that you agreed with me. Of course. I think that your path is right. The path is right. I think that there's a little bit in the models of way, the ways you guys came to the conclusion, but uh, the, the, the strength of what you said, the very first thing, that, that math somehow was a, an uh, an opinionated creation uh, is what triggered you to say, no, that's fallacious. That can't, that doesn't make sense to you because now you're looking at another option where chaos becomes uh, order. And no, that doesn't work that way. And so uh, I'm, I'm interested in what kind of people you hang out with that you can sit and have these conversations over a snack a crudite well, I'm or something. Very, I'm a very mathematical person, and I love to have re- discussions with religious people, and just uh, and because I'm also religious, but I'm also very highly mathematical, and I love to have discussions with people whenever they'll will they'll happen with me. Curtis, I want you to go out and have more of them. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> because I the the type of questions we get on the program. These are the things that I want uh, – believers have this weird notion that they're to hang up their brain outside of the church or their place of worship and that that's really where faith comes from, removing your brain, and it's not. If God exists, God is absolutely a God of logic, period, and is not separate from logic. There do, that doesn't mean that, as we spoke about earlier, the secret things belong to the Lord. It doesn't mean that you'll know everything. But it does mean that the things that can be known should be known and should be taught. So I applaud you. I love that, the iron sharpening iron, and that you uh, get fired up about those truths. It is the Jesus Christ Show. That makes a body feel alone. I am your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday as I am every single Sunday. Right here, answering your questions, talking about the things that truly matter. I encourage you to go to the phone today with your theology question or if there's something going on in your life. We call them life situations. I'd love to hear from you as well. Anywhere in the U.S., dial 877-HOLY-HOST, 877-HOLY-HOST. 
the 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 Bible says in Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And I think uh, Curtis was a great example of that. Curtis and his buddy chatting away about God and logic and math and faith and all of those things. And I encourage you, I know that there is beliefs that you don't talk about politics and religion in polite company. And I think that stinks. I see people get fired up about all kinds of things, whether it's sports figures or sports teams or these types of things, yet impassioned by music or artistry, arguing over and over about television or yet you bring up God and you're passionate about an idea of God or a thought of God and all of a sudden you're a zealot or a wingnut frothing at the mouth. It's abnormal to be passionate about God. It's abnormal to be passionate about the things of God. But my goodness, somebody comes out on a red carpet in an ugly dress and the whole world goes berserk with their opinion. How backwards is it that you live in a world where stating an impassioned opinion about things that don't matter is accepted, but stating an impassioned opinion about things that do matter gets you labeled a nut, some sort of Bible basher. Well, I encourage you not to be rude. I don't like Bible bashers any more than anyone else. Don't get in someone's face. But I mean especially with one another as brothers and sisters in a faith to engage each other in conversation, to engage each other in argumentation, to push each other to think and to learn more about God and your faith and what your beliefs really are because it's not what you believe but why you believe it that makes it powerful. So push one another, challenge one another, to contend earnestly, to argue earnestly for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. This is important, as Jude 3 says, to get engaged with one another, to excite each other's mind, because that is also part of what you're to love God with. And if you don't encourage or excite or impassion and debate every now and then, then it looks like an ancient faith that is just believed because without any rhyme nor reason. It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday as I am every single Sunday right here, answering your questions, talking about the things that truly matter in life. And the afterlife, I encourage you today to be bold and brave and go to the phone with your theology question or life situation. Anywhere in the U.S., dial 877-HOLY-HOST. That's 877-465-9467.
Benjamin, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, good morning, Jesus. Hi, Benjamin. What's going on? Oh, well, last sermon in my church, um, my pastor uh, got up and took a turn and, and basically was teaching the congregation that the Bible was translated many, many times, and it was done so um, as a way of programming people. Uh, and, and in this case, he was saying that it was to program black people during the time of slavery. And then a pe- people got really angry, and a few people said, well, they said, well, prove, well, how can you prove this? And he, he, he stated that there's, there's been conferences that spell out the programming. And oh, in this boy. case, he said uh, the King Leopold II conference oh, and the Berlin conference. Okay. Um, this, this, uh, if things happen the way you're telling me, and I have no reason to believe otherwise, uh, then, yeah, there's a problem. There's a problem because the agenda, uh, that specific uh, uh, of an agenda um, becomes quite conspiratorial in its nature. And um, to me, it's, well, then what does this pastor believe? Does he believe anything in Scripture? Well, someone's asked him that, too. And he said, yes, yes, he did. Uh, he said that it was the Bible was based on ancient Egyptian... Oh, boy. Um, the, the um, I guess, ancient Egyptian, what's on... The Mythology, top? sure. And, yeah, a lot uh, of people say like, that well, be, because there's concepts of the Trinity and the virgin birth and Egyptology. Okay, that that's completely... That's not somebody who should be teaching. If everything is as you say, that's not someone who should be teaching, and I would recommend people to run, not walk to the nearest exit. Oh, I really thank you so much, because it was quite confusing, uh, especially if you ever read the King Leopold the second letter. His well, some of these things you, are, are things that took place historically, but don't necessarily tie into... Uh, people have tried to manipulate Scripture uh, for centuries, that, that, and that still goes on today. However, the original texts are still what are used uh, to translate. They don't translate from a translation. They go back to the original text in the Hebrew, in the Aramaic, in the Greek, and translate from there. Now, everyone has some sort of agenda and some filter in which things go through. Every single person. I understand that. But to say that uh, that every single translation went through that or every translation is you know, programmed just to slavery is to be very, uh, very uh, youth-centric. Um, uh, there's, you know, many different people uh, have been bound to slavery throughout the centuries, many. And so to make it very uh, American-centric or uh, to focus on uh, uh, black slavery or America, African-American slavery versus uh, Jewish slavery or any slavery that has gone throughout uh, the histories doesn't make any sense. It sounds to me that there is uh, a an agenda that is being focused on, and it's not the agenda of Scripture, and it's not for the, the cause of Christ, and it's not for the cause of uh, or the focus of the church. It seems like it's somebody specific 
agenda. There, scripture's been used to hurt all kinds of people, absolutely, Benjamin. Um, but that doesn't mean that the translation did that. That means that somebody twisted um, Scripture to mean what they want it to mean. Um, but many people have misused Scripture for, throughout the centuries. doesn't mean that Scripture on its face, if you actually read it and saw it to be what it is, um, is not truthful. That doesn't make any sense. So it, it sounds like uh, maybe this—have you been in that church for a while? Uh, about four to five months. Um, one of the elders got up because this last last Sunday uh, got a lot of people upset. And so one of the elders said, well, isn't Jesus um, come, didn't Jesus come to earth to save people, and including African Americans? And then he replied and said, well, before Africans came to America and enslavement, they were already free. Hmm. No man is free. Every man is a slave to his own desires and to sin. So that statement theologically isn't even correct. Wow, but, I really appreciate it. This this brings brings a little perspective, and I, I really appreciate it. And you have a great morning. You as well. And Benjamin, I would recommend that that you and and obviously your discernment was was dead on as well as the discernment of others now we're only hearing one side of the story and we will keep that in mind um there i get emails on this very program of people saying why do you believe this and it it boggles the mind to think that people will hear things that aren't being said or confuse what is being said uh with something completely different so without having uh, your pastor um, here to defend himself and his statements will leave them as the way you describe them. And in that context, um, uh, in that particular context, I, w- I would say that there is a huge problem going on in the church and that this kind of um, this kind of theology does pop up in certain groups. And interestingly, with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Enough, it pops up with minority groups. And so the pastors that are saying, uh, you know, that you're being treated differently by some because you're a minority and therefore they don't understand what you're going through. Strangely enough, they're kind of doing the same thing and playing that minority uh card so that you will see scripture differently but scripture has been handed down for uh thousands of years it absolutely predates uh, america not to mention american slavery so that is uh th- there's an old saying about looking through your glasses versus looking at them and if if he's looking through this particular worldview, then he's not 
analyzing that worldview or understanding it. He's just merely looking through it and saying that everything he experiences, including his faith, is through that particular lens. I would say that's not a Bible-based church. That's an agenda-ridden church that's focused on getting a particular uh, agenda across. And you could probably say that most churches are. Um, but in this case, it's not an agenda that I think is beneficial to the gospel. It doesn't even sound like uh, this man believes in the gospel in its true sense. And uh, be weary of somebody pulling out one particular letter or one note or saying, look at this, and this proves this, and this proves that, and and all those things, because uh, I don't think that that uh, pushes the purpose of of the gospel forward either. And I don't think it's a completely reasonable way to look at things. You analyze each of these, and then you have to take them apart uh, on uh, their face value to find out if they have veracity themselves and what they were in context. But if you're going to start cutting out pieces of Scripture for your own agenda, then why adhere to any of it at all? It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday, as I am every single Sunday right here, answering your questions and talking about the things that truly matter in life, and even more importantly, the afterlife. I encourage you to be bold and brave and go to the phone with your theology question or life situation. Anywhere in the U.S. of A, dial 877-HOLY-HOST. Numerically, that's 877 877- Four six five nine four six seven, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Jesus Show. Spiro, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Hello, Jesus. Hi. Hi. Uh, I have this cat who meant a lot to me, and I prayed that he wouldn't die. He was sick, and he died. And uh, here's my question: mm-hmm. I prayed like I could move a mountain into the ocean, like you say. Mm-hmm. I want to know. Is that how I was supposed to pray and be 100% positive that he wouldn't die because I'm praying with that much faith? Or should I have just be praying, your will be done, and I don't know what's going to happen? All of the above. To have that confidence is, is imperative. To know that God can keep that animal or any human alive or do anything is absolutely possible, and you need to be confident in that. But to also know that uh, above all things, above all else, even the prayer that I say in Scripture is finalized with thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will be done. And you have to go in with that attitude, knowing that if it's God's will not for the animal to live, yeah. um, that there's a great purpose in that or great reason behind that, whether you will know it or not. But as far as the prayer or to be fervent in your prayer or to pray with that kind of attitude, that's to know that God can do that. Yeah, but you're not trying to make God do that. I had my kids praying that way, too. Is it right to have them pray with that much faith that I'm positive it's going to work? Well, yes, but it's it, it, it's important to let the children understand that it's about God's will, not about how hard you pray. Okay. You, you know, the, the Christian church continues to say things like there's power in prayer, and this freaks people out when I say this, but there is not power in prayer. There's power in who you're praying to. God has the power, not the prayer. So the prayers to God still allows God to make the decision. It is the Jesus Christ Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. 
always so much better when you two are here as I am with you every single Sunday right here answering your questions and talking about the things that truly matter in life and the afterlife. Of course, I'm your holy host. If you have a question, a theology question or a life situation question, I'd love to hear from you. Anywhere in the U.S. of A, dial 877-HOLY-HOST or numerically that's 877 877- Four six five nine four six seven, and uh, follow us on Twitter at Jesus Show, at Jesus Show. Lee, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. Hello, Jesus. Hi, Lee. Um, what's a good way to stay focused on God? That's a great question. Uh, when you go to a movie theater, the first thing that happens after you find your seat is the lights go down, right? And then those little advertisements or what have you go up on the screen. But there's one that happens in every single theater just prior to the movie starting. And you know what that is? You know what it tells you to do? Turn off your cell phones. Exactly. Turn off your cell phones. Stop talking. uh, You know, be quiet. Be aware of the people around you. Okay. You go to a library. And the first thing that you remember as a kid is to shush to be quiet in a library. In Scripture, in uh, Psalm, in the Psalms, in the book of Psalm, this one is 46, 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. In some translations, it will say, Cease striving and know that I am God. The first thing to do is to understand that to, to have this relationship, there's going to be times where you need to you know, kind of take yourself away from all the elements of all the craziness. In the movie theater, they want you to do what? They want you to concentrate on the film. In the library, they want you to concentrate on what you're reading. And to be able to to stay focused on something, there are times where you need to have silence, to be still and know that God is God. So you have to have that in your life. Some people refer to it as meditation, and in Scripture it talks about it as meditation, not the transcendental meditation or the uh, New Age type meditation, but this is uh, a biblical-based meditation, to having that time of prayer or one-on-one time with God. But really staying focused on God is no different than staying focused on, on anyone that you have a relationship with. You okay. continue, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. You know, I also it, have another problem with that. Yes. Um, I mean, not with that, but... Um, I'm also, I, I get distracted, um, and I have to say, my biggest distraction is normally women. Mm-hmm. Um, That'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I was listening uh, last week. Uh, I ha- I normally work Saturday nights, uh, so mm-hmm. I hear you on my drive home, and uh, I was hearing the whole talk you had with uh, that one lady about uh, how she needs to just stop looking and let the right person find her. Sure. Instead of, and that that's kind of been my problem. I've just been out there looking and not actually just letting it happen. Um, and I did realize that, but pretty much uh, over all the years, I, I've always I kept getting called back to God. And you know, when I was younger, it was a lot easier for me. I was very active in youth groups and uh, used to go out you know, door-to-door, you know, knock, invite people to church. Um, But 
after, you know, my parents kind of fell away from uh, God, and mm-hmm. I, I kept going to church for about a, a year after that, and then, you know, after the household started getting really rough, I just stopped going every now and then, and then it was hardly ever, and then I just pretty much stopped. Well, those things are still circumstantial. It's that's you, you can't live your faith through someone else or through other things, but all those parts do play uh, some role in in your f- being able to focus on God, to have that place, and you have to be able to create a space. And if there, if you have a hard time focusing, then you need to you need to put your energy into that. And meditation is a good way to do that. That kind of you know close the lights off, uh, you know sit in a in a space where you're comfortable and contemplate the things of God, read Scripture, use prayer, these types of things. Um, think of it this way. Um, scripture is getting to know the person, if it was a, a just your mainstream, uh, everyday relationship. So Scripture is kind of your way of, of getting to know God even better. Prayer is having conversations with God and getting to know Him on that level. And so all these things add up to this this focus, this relationship with God, and if, and, and quite honestly, this is kind of the template for every other relationship in your life. I mean, this is the place where you should be starting to have a relationship with God, because that will overflow into the other relationships in your life, and that's an imperative. Really, people get lost in those things, not understanding. That's why um, a lot of people who've been hurt by their their parents, uh, specifically their father, have a hard time understanding the father concept of God. And so if you start with a good relationship with God, other relationships can fall into place much better because you have a a better handle on them. But uh, conversely, what I'm doing with you this morning is wanting you to see that when you interact with somebody in everyday life, that those ideas and those tools can be used the same way with God. Just look at the things that you do when you're trying to concentrate on something. The being quiet, the being still. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, um, in the case of the movie, not only is it dark for the sake of projection, but also that ability to create intimacy or an opportunity to be solely focused on something. And, you know, some people may need other tools to help focus them. Christian music is wonderful because it has uh, the proper Christian music will have a melody that you like and all of these things that kind of uh, distract your mind in one sense, but also words that are inspiring or keeping you focused as well. And that can be a tool that might help you in the, in the process. Church, of course, would be a great uh, place for that as well. But to harness those energies towards uh, your relationship with God and to do the simple tools, the simple things to get you to focus just like you would in everyday life. Chris, welcome to the Jesus Christ Show. 
Hello, Jesus. How are you? Hi, Chris. I'm well, thank you. Um, I've been uh, dating a woman for eight months who uh, attends church and and all that. Uh, I really have never. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I consider myself a Christian uh, and try to you know stand up to the moral uh, expectations and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But uh, my question is, is her church uh, preaches uh, that uh, Harry Potter is not good. And uh, I've read all the books, and my uh, my oldest child has uh, read a few of them. And I really don't see the problem, so and she's to the point where she won't discuss it. Hmm. And it's not that it's an issue, a big issue or a big deal, but I was just curious. Well, what, uh, what, what, what is the problem? Chris, what defines you as a Christian? Well, I mean, I believe in God. Uh, well, so do a lot of people that aren't Christians. Right. I guess uh, I don't. I don't know what you want me to say. <laughs> well, no, I just want you to be truthful. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to put you in a corner. I'm. I'm asking questions that I think are important to our conversation. I. I don't want you to feel put on the spot. That's not my point. My point right. is just to understand what what your understanding is Christianity of Christianity is. Well, uh, I guess uh, I've always had questions about what the difference between all the denominations is. My my parents. Uh, Never went to church when we were growing up, but uh, they were they were conservative people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as I've you know grown, uh, for the most part, I've, I've you know most conservatism uh, is based in the the morals and and uh, foundations of uh, Christianity. Sure, but that kind of it leans more towards a political view. There, there, are, believe it or not, uh, there are liberal Christians as well, and I mean that politically, not in their theology. Right. But, but my, my point being, Chris, that there, there are certain things that define a person uh, as to who they are, and a lot of people will say, hey, I'm a Christian, but if, uh, let's say you were an electrician, but you don't do any electrical work anymore. You don't really go and to people's houses or into businesses and and wire them up or troubleshoot or do any of those things. Um, you're kind of just a an electrician by name only at that point, right? Right. Well, I'm just curious in your particular walk um, of faith how it plays a part. If it doesn't guide you morally to help you make decisions between what is good and bad, then what does? Well, I mean, I guess it does. What I, I guess that I uh, try to live a moral life. It's just that I uh, don't have the knowledge of study mm-hmm. under my belt for it. Okay, fair enough. Well, when it comes to the Harry Potter books, there there is a great debate. Now, on the surface, you're absolutely right. You look at it and you say it's a book. Books aren't evil. The content is what evil is evil uh, or could be. Um, pages aren't evil, you know, the hardbound, softbound, whatever. It doesn't matter. The book itself can't be evil, but the content can be. And I think the concern with some Christians, and not all, but some Christians, uh, is that the content points to witchcraft and points to uh, fantasy, but there are Wiccans, there are witches, there are people that even practice black magic and these types of things, and um, as a religious belief system. And the concern of many Christians are 
that uh, a young person picking up a book like Harry Potter might become fascinated with the concept of witchcraft and magic and thinking that life can be solved by these things. And to a Christian, that doesn't fly. It doesn't work at all. The witchcraft or paganism or uh, black magic or these types of things. And, and there are some that say, well, there's a difference between black and white magic. To a Christian, there is not. To the Christian theology, there is not. Um, so those things are what would cause concern. Now, you as a parent uh, need to use your best discernment as to whether you think your child can understand the difference. And if your child has a good foundation uh, in their faith or their understanding, um, then it might not be a problem at all. And for some adults, not be a problem at all. Uh, but you have to use the the judgment to decide who can you know, consume that information, how they're going to use it. Uh, Christians end up making themselves look a little nutty running around um, talking about a children's book sometimes. However, when you think of it, um, it's a great distraction and something that, that keeps, uh, you know, can, can manifest in a child's mind as, a, as, a, as an excitement and a path. Oh, wow, I'd be curious about this and want to learn more. So the balance there is to uh, understand the difference. I think there's many uh, young people that read Harry Potter that know exactly that it's fantasy and there's no reason to take it seriously and would never, ever uh, decide to go down that particular path. And for them, it's not a problem. But there are others um, where it could be a problem and you have to differentiate that. And your girlfriend uh, is concerned about that. Uh, and, and that's where her concern lies. Uh, I'm not sure I would start an all-out war with Harry Potter. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but it can pose a problem. It is the Jesus Christ Show. I am your holy host. Happy to be with you this Sunday as I am every single Sunday right here, same time, same place, answering your questions and talking about the things that matter in life and the afterlife. You can also connect with us uh, by way of Twitter, um, by way of that website. So thejesuschristshow.com. Check it out. I know that often it seems as if Christians uh, are on some sort of crusade against something that that doesn't make sense. And sometimes, sometimes you're right. It doesn't make sense. But other times, if, if you were to imagine, if you're not someone that believes, if you were to imagine that there was a battle going on and there was this battle between good and evil, and if evil was the enemy, don't you think that it would be smart from the standpoint of the enemy to do things, to disguise things in a form that might seem innocent? Makes sense. You hear stories about suicide bombers being women or women with children. You hear stories of war where children would lure soldiers into harm's way. Why? Well, because nobody wants to assume that evil can ever come in the form of innocence. So when, the sto- when questions about Harry Potter come, come up, the last thing I want to do is sound an alarm. Because I don't think that's fair. I think that there are many things that were written by Christians that were fantasy 
that could be criticized because they have magic and they have uh, wizardry and these types of things in them. And why you would think it was okay in that context but not in the other. So an overall message should be understood first and foremost. What is the heart of the story when it comes to a book or children's books or any of these things? And that, that helps define, you know, the purpose of the book and if it's good or bad or if it's going to be healthy or helpful uh, to a young person. But I think that it's, it, it can be incredibly problematic if you just look at something and because it's defined as a work for children or young people, therefore how can it be harmful? I don't think I don't think that's fair. I think that if you were to see a battle of some kind and there was a war going on, then to disguise things in ways that are seemingly innocent is a pretty smart way to go about it. So you can't just uh, push those aside because they seem innocent. You should look at it. And I think a parent, the lazy thing to do is the zero tolerance for everything. The lazy thing to do is no, none of these get through and none of them are good and all of them are bad and anything that's not uh, you know, sold in a Christian bookstore is bad. and all. That's, that's a problem unto itself. The responsible thing to do is to know what you're reading and to explore those things along with your children and make a healthy, righteous decision. And I appreciate that you join me here every single Sunday Tell friends, join us on, on Twitter at twitter.com slash Jesus Show. But more importantly than all of this that we do here and everything that weighs you down during the week, I am with you. Always. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.